Good morning. It is Danger Dan here in the talk shop. Had a bitchin' weekend out of Yellow Rose Canyon for the Southern Throwdown. And I will uh, recap that more on the next episode. But today's podcast I recorded on the way back from Sturgis, where I stopped by Legends Motorcycle Museum to sit down with the owner, Rick Salisbury. Now, I first became aware of Rick at the Meekum auctions last year when I saw him purchase two Indian Larry bikes. What a fucking heated day that was. Now, me and Randy stopped by Legends on the way up to Idaho for the Lolo run because Oliver and Aaron just recently opened up a tattoo shop on the premises called Buffalo Nickel Tattoo. They had the grand opening party, so we got to check out the museum, eat some of the fucking food. There was a coffee stand, ice. I mean, he's built like a compound around this museum. So you're forever in around in or around Salt Lake City. Check out Legends Motorcycle Museum in Springville, Utah. Trust me, you will not regret it. <laughs> Dude, I hope that you were at Yellow Rose Canyon this weekend. Oh, by the way, that was Extermination Day with Thou Shall Not Hassle. Thank you, Zach from Heavy. Check out Heavy Clothing at heavy.bigcartel.com. Yellow Rose Canyon is fucking amazing. The Southern Throwdown was a fucking hit. Dude, the camping, the racing, the fucking party, the choppers, it was amazing. It was amazing, dude. It really was. The guys from Utah in Montana came down that we met on the low, low run. Hawk, Chuck, Gaden, Luke, thank you guys for making the trip down. Really do appreciate it. I hope that you enjoyed Texas as much as I do. Um, it was a bitchin' show. The next event at Yellow Rose Canyon will be just kickers and i believe that is november 13th have more information for you on that as we get closer uh this coming weekend october 8th and 9th is the virginia city chopper rodeo it looks like they kind of uh they're squishing everything into just the ninth because of a rain forecast but uh dude i hope that you're there there's gonna be a bunch of badass choppers Hawk and the boys will be there. Luke from Chop Merchandise will be there as well. Go check them out in Virginia City. Can't wait to see how that one goes off. October 16th is Rat Rod-tober. That is at Tufts Brewery in McKinney, Texas. November 11th is Fuel Cleveland in Cleveland, Ohio. Brought to you by The Gas Boss, Forever the Chaos Life, and Lowbrow Customs. Speaking of lowbrow customs, dude, I just ordered some rad shit from them. They've got this, like, cast aluminum 
fairing for a Sportster. Oh, it's sick. Dude, Carlos is going to rig it up on our Mint 400 Ironhead race bike. Pretty stoked about the Mint 400. That'll be the next big trip I go on. And uh, that is the beginning of December. I think December 4th, to be exact, was when the motorcycles will be racing. Dude, got some work to put in before then, though. Uh, Lowbrow Customs, though, is hooking us up with that fairing. And um, I think that's I think that's all we need right now. We're going to go ride on Monday, so we'll take another look at the bike and see what kind of last-minute upgrades we might need for that thing. Uh, pretty stoked about that. Pretty stoked. You know, also a little bit, what do you call it? Not timid, but uh, anxious. You, I'm a... Uh, Dude, the last one was fucking difficult. We're, we're changing up the way we're going about it this year. Hopefully, it won't be as brutal. But, you know, that terrain is still going to be tough as fuck. So, um, you know, that just is what it is. So, I got a $100 gift card to give out from Lowbrow Customs this month. Make sure you go to DangerDansTalkShop.com. Sign up at the Patreon support tab. Go there. Five bucks a month gets you entered to win a bunch of badass shit. That's right. This program was started by Knives Made by Nick because everybody needs a knife on their tool belt. And uh, it's grown. It has grown into... I've got a sign from Tattoo Troubadour Alan Wayne Nichols. It's so fucking bad, dude. I don't even want to give it away. It's a wooden sign with a, a metal iron cross and a metal skull and then some tooled leather that says the danger zone. It's fucking rad, but I'll be giving that away soon. I have got a shovel head motor built by my friends B&B Racing in Metairie, Louisiana. Fresh, fresh shovel head motor. Somebody's going to win for Christmas. Also, I've got... Uh, a Frisco'd sporty tank from Lowbrock Customs that Chemical Randy Candy, Mechanical Randy Candy, Chemical Candy Customs will be putting his infamous flames on, and somebody will be going home with that at the end of the year. So go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com, sign up to be a patron. Every $5 you donate each month gets your name in the hat to win big. Pretty rad thing. I'll be giving away a $100 gift card to Lowbrow later this month. This show, like all shows, is brought to you by MCShopTees.com, your T-shirt of the month club, the only way to support every local motorcycle shop. It's like a magazine subscription, but you get a T-shirt each month. And each month, I feature a different motorcycle shop from around the country and include a card that tells you about the shop, where they're located, and what they specialize in, and how you can get a hold of them. It's a rad, rad deal. I mean, shirts just show up every single month. This month's featured shop is Dirty's Chop Shop out of Dayton, Ohio. I was first, uh, I first learned about them when doing a podcast with Dirty Dick Nick earlier this year at the Texas Fandango. And uh, it's it's a relatively new shop, but Dirty's been Dirty's been in the motorcycle game for a bit, a, 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 been in the motorcycle game for a minute. So check him out, check him out. Sign up if you didn't sign up already. You you missed out on the T-shirt. 
that's the thing, dude. You got to get signed up so you do not miss these shops. I'm changing up the model as to the business model, if you will, and how I do this. So two weeks before the shop gets featured, I'm going to start blasting them on the internet. You you won't know what the t-shirt looks like still. That's going to be a surprise, but uh, I'm going to try and promote the shops leading up to the 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 cutoff date to get the shirt and uh, just hopefully spread the good word about these shops. So we'll see how that goes, man. Go to mcshoptees.com. We've got men's shirts, women's shirts, and kids' shirts. Holidays are coming up, so you can buy it as a gift, too. We've got three, six, and 12-month packages. I will be releasing a handful of leftovers, possibly this week. But you can't buy them unless you are a current subscriber. So go sign up now if you got some shirts you'd like to get from the past or maybe you just want to buy some as gifts for this Christmas. Okay, so this podcast, dude, it was, uh, dude, what happened? Oh, it was fucking raining when we were doing this. Luckily, we did it inside the museum in one of the booths at the cafe. And uh, Rick's a solid dude, and I, I really appreciate you sitting down with me, Rick, and giving me an hour out of your life to tell me about the collection of bikes that you've accumulated. Because this collection is fucking phenomenal. Like, seriously, if you get a chance to go, please stop by. If you ever go to, I don't know, maybe you go to the Salt Flats for racing, go to Springville and check out this collection. And the food is fucking great, too. So let's get into it. Five of these and about once a week sometimes twice a week if I got a bunch I'll sit down I'll record an intro that's more up-to-date and then release it and put it online and people have podcast apps that they can listen to it on or they can go to really? my website and it just lives there forever yeah I've got listeners all over the world really you know I started it as a, I quit drinking five years ago and I used to play music before that and travel around. And it was just like a way to do something artistic. And I just started talking to people that had figured out how to live outside the eight to five job yeah. system. And next thing you know, it turned into that for me, you know, living outside of that. So when you go on one of these road trips, how long are you gone? Uh, it depends, but I try not to be gone from the family for more than two weeks. You know, they're I, married, no kids. I got two kids and a wife. I'm meeting them in uh, Red River, New Mexico. We got a place that we, oh, look, Aaron's trying to call. Let me turn that on airplane mode. Or I sent him a text. Yeah. But I saw the bike over there when I walked over, and I said, oh, that's got to be him. Yeah. <laughs> so I, told, I sent Aaron a text and said, hey, I'm here. Yeah. Because yeah, I was out of town all, well, last couple of days. Yeah, where'd you go? I got work down in St. George, Utah. Okay. So I have a building company down there that I go down. So then he said, will you be home by seven? And I said, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I hit him up. You know, me and Scott came through here when they did the grand opening for the tattoo shop. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we checked the place out, just blown away. 
But I first, I didn't meet you, but the first time, you know, I was aware of your presence was at the Mecham auctions last year. Oh, yeah. I was down there when you bought the Indian Larry bikes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I honestly had no intention to buy them bikes when I went. You, that's not why you were there? No, no. no. Really? No, there was a couple other older bikes, and I like, I'm on the search right now for anything pre-1930, all original. Preferably 1920, all original. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. But the Indian Larry bikes, I was in the middle of doing a chopper collection. And do you know Joey Yeaman? Joey Yeaman, yeah. So he's been helping me put a chopper collection together. And I said, Joey, I want all original surviving choppers, and I want to display them in my museum. So he's been helping me. And then when I went to that auction and I saw the Indian Larry choppers, I thought, those are the two grand finale bikes right there. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you already had these other bikes in here that I've seen? Yeah. See, Joey and I actually fine. had 10 or 12 more, and I've still got some in the back, and I picked the best of what I thought showed the best and put them in the museum. Do you and I took a couple to Joey, and he was selling them. I took, I took some to the Mecham auction last year and sold them. But I'm still looking. Yeah. Like I bought a chopper from Dave Parowitz. Oh, yeah? And I'm looking at one with Donnie Smith. Okay. I want all, like, original surviving choppers that these guys have built. That's cool. So that's what I'm looking for. So when did this collection start? I mean, this, this doesn't uh, happen overnight. It started back in probably 30 years ago. Okay. So when I was, I was in high school... I like bikes, and so I bring this Triumph chopper home, and my dad says, no, no way. Yeah. So, I mean, I kept it for a day or two, and finally it just wasn't worth it. So, I It wasn't the, worth it? You couldn't get it to work, or? No, nah, it wasn't worth the argument keeping it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I took it back to the guy I got it from, and I said, you know, it's just not going to happen. But I knew eventually I'd end up with one, and then I got... I got married and was he Was he against motorcycles or was he against the chopper? He was against motorcycles. Okay. And, and choppers. So <laughs> it, it just, it caused too many issues and I said, okay, I get it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then after a short time I got married and life went on. And then I started working and I was building my career, starting my businesses. And then a, like a 1979... Shovelhead came up for sale from a guy I know, and I thought, whatever. So, and I think it cost me like 12 grand. Oh, wow. And I said, ah, shit, yeah. So I got it, and I rode it for a while, and that was cool. And then a 79 Sportster came up for sale, and it was kind of customized a little bit. I said, oh, that's cool. And so I bought it, and it just kind of took off from there. Yeah. And then I got to know Jeff Decker. He lives in Springville. Okay, he lives so, here. Yeah, so he's a motorcycle guy. I like motorcycles, and we kind of hooked up. And the first auction I went to was with Jeff, and it was Mid-America Auctions, and it was at the Tropicana in Vegas. So I was there, and they had a 1919 Harley, all original, rusty, beautiful patina, and I bought that. And then I just... It just slowly took off from there. Did you have, like, 
something like we are sitting in, in mind when you started this or was it just you know not really i had a barn in mind you know and i had them in my garage and then i bought a i bought a small shop down on main street in springville okay and it was more of a hobby shop and i didn't really want to open it to the public but we were there i mean i hired a full-time mechanic and he was there all the time, and he we didn't service, we didn't work on anybody's stuff but mine. And then I'd go down, I'd take Friday off because my business was doing good. I'd take Friday, so I'd go down Friday and Saturdays and work with the mechanic. Yeah. And I'm a shitty mechanic. I mean, I'm not a mechanic. <laughs> but I enjoyed the shit out of building the bikes. And the first bike we built was a 1947 replica Panhead. Okay. And we bought all the parts from Ted Cycle. Yep. Like one piece at a time. Mm -hmm. We bought the frame, it came in. We bought the tin. So every single in. piece was. Every <laughs> single piece. Buy it one or two pieces at a time. We figured it out. And he was basically showing me how to build a bike. Yeah. And that thing took six or eight months to build that bike. And it was pretty cool. And then, then I built like a replica knuckle. I got an SNS knuckle engine. I built a replica bobber knuckle. Okay. And then I built a bobber pan. And it just kind of took off from there. Yeah. Were you riding these bikes at all? Were oh, you, yeah. Yeah. Ride them all the time. That's it awesome. was cool as shit. Like ride around here in Utah? Oh, or yeah. Going on trips or what? Oh, yeah. We'd ride them, you know, Saturdays, you know, we'd quit at noon and we'd go for a couple hundred miles. Yeah. And it was on the bikes we were building. That's awesome. And I didn't have a new bike. I mean, I didn't buy a new Harley for, I think the first one I bought was, I don't know, 2004 or five. Oh, wow. So when did that, when did you buy that first bike, that 79 Chevrolet? Probably in the early 90s. Okay. So I was riding these old bikes and I loved the bobbers. I loved the whole thing. And then I just, you know, then I just, why I bought that new bike, I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. What was it, a heritage? No, it was a full dresser. It was a full dresser? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, God, now I feel like an old man. I didn't want <laughs> You know, it had the windshield and the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And my bobbers had no windshield, and they, you know, I mean, they were like road bikes. Yeah, they were you're, nice. You're in the wind on yeah, those Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Then when I got that dresser, I thought, fuck, this is cool. Yeah. And then I rode it, and, you know, I took a couple cross-country trips on it. I'd take off for a week and go so far, then I'd turn around and come back a different route. And I did that a couple times a year, and I thought, oh, this is cool. I like it. Yeah. And then I started taking my wife with me, and it was even more fun then. Then we got tied in with a group of people that liked to ride, and then we rode all the time, everywhere, all over. Really? Yeah. Well, like, we're, this group, what, were the group, what was the group called? Like, was it nothing? A, just just a, some friends? Just, yeah, just friends. Yeah. And then the first year we went to Sturgis, I want to say, was 2000 or 2001, something like that. And you were on, what, a shovel head? Yeah, I had, all my, I had all the bikes that I built in the shop. I took a trailer, okay. and I took the bikes that we built in the shop, and riding up, I would just switch out bikes. All the way there? All the way to Sturgis. No way. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I mean, it, was, it was a fun ride. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, it's a good ride to Sturgis from here. Yeah. I mean, there's lots to go through. Well, it took us, I want to say, five or six days. I mean, we, we didn't have a set plan. We were just on the road and going. 
Yeah. And there was probably a group of 20 of us. Dang. It was a fun And there's ride. a lot of stuff to go see in between yeah. here and there. And we took all the back roads, all the highways, no freeways. We went up through Yellowstone, and we hit every little small town in Wyoming. So you done Beartooth? Yeah. I just did that yeah. for the first time this trip. Yeah. What an amazing yeah. road that is. We did them all. It was great. Yeah. And then we come back through Estes Park in Colorado, yeah. up over the top of it, and come back down. So it was a fun ride. Yeah. Oh. And then we were just, I mean, we would ride all the time. And then as I got a little older, I started riding the older, like, antique bikes. Mm -hmm. And now I like them so well, I mean, I don't even own a brand new bike right now. You don't have that 2004 I, anymore? No, I don't have nothing. nothing. I don't have a um, Harley road bike, nothing. What's the newest bike you got? Oh, probably, you know, a 1940-ish. I mean, I honestly don't ride yeah. a new bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, so now these bikes in your collection here, do they all come from uh, auctions, or did you start scouring the internet? A little bit of a little bit of everything. A lot of them came from the auctions, and then I'd get calls from people. They send me pictures, and they knew what I wanted. But probably most of them came from auctions. Yeah. And then different people that had a collection uh, wanted to sell some of their bikes. John Parham, I bought some from him out of his museum. That's uh, what JP Cycles. JP Cycles, I got some from him. Uh, I, I imagine you meet some cool people oh. getting bikes like this. Like it's not just, you know, uh, not just ordinary folks having that's, appreciation. That's probably more fun than the bike is the people. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm going to go on a trip. Or I'm going to go to Sturgis in a couple weeks. I'm going to go to Davenport, the swap meet in September. Nice. And I've got some bikes to pick up in Davenport that I bought a couple months ago. Yeah. And then I'm going to work my way back home. You go to a lot of the swap meets? I want to go to more. I don't go to enough. Yeah. But I let business take too much of my time. <laughs> so I'm trying well, it makes it possible, I'm sure. Well, you, know. you have to do the business to be able to do the other. Yeah. So, but that was my goal to kind of slow down and go to more swap meets and shows and do more of it. So you said you're looking for like pre-19... Would you say 30, original, original? Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, when did you start having a direction or like start picking out bikes that you were started to seek out? Probably, you know, it was five, eight, ten years ago. Because in my mind, from talking to the John Parhams and the collectors of the time, the bikes were getting harder and harder and harder to get. Mm -hmm. And... You know, through our conversation, I said, you know, if I don't get some of these older bikes right now, I'm not going to get any. So then I kind of became like a hoarder. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I started actually looking for them and buying them. Yeah. I mean, when I'd go to the auction, that's what I would look at on the sales sheet is anything pre-20 unrestored. I mean, I can't imagine there's just a whole lot of those out there to begin no, with, much less for sale. They're hard to find, and I know collectors that have them, and I've asked them, okay, do you want to sell this bike? And it's usually no. But <laughs> I, just, I just picked up a Ivor Johnson like two weeks ago. You know, 
and it's a cherry and I've got to go pick it up. So how did you uh, start gaining the knowledge of the older bikes and all the, you know, there were so many companies back then, you know, like pre-1920. Just, just from conversation with people and then reading in the books on what's going on. Yeah, you, know. you got a pretty good little library of... Yeah, and then, you know, I talk to Jeff Decker a lot. If I have a question on a bike, I can call Jeff and talk to him. Yeah. And he's pretty knowledgeable. And he's the one that does the statues, yeah. right? Yeah. Wow. And he does a lot of research when he does the statues. And if I have a question, I can call him and say, hey, what do you think? Yeah. You know? Well, it's good to have somebody like that that you can yeah. call on. And then Lonnie Isom's I've got to know really well. Uh, I was looking for a 1936 all-original knuckle. And I've seen them at auctions, and they're not original and this and that. So I, I called Lonnie and said, hey, Lonnie, I'm looking for a 36 knuckle all-original. And in a couple months, he located one, but it was in Amsterdam. Okay. The guy said he would sell it. So I instantly booked some flights to Amsterdam. I took Lonnie, so myself, Lonnie, and my wife, we flew to Amsterdam. We went and got, looked at the bike. Lonnie verified, okay, everything's all original. This bike is cherry. And we stayed there a week. We put the deal together. I made sure the bike got loaded up, shipped it to Germany, and then they flew it home for me. So That's awesome. That was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Have you gotten any others from outside the country? No, that's really the only one. That's it. We had a good time on that trip. I bet that was I mean, fun. It was good. It was a lot of fun. How was the guy that you got it from? What was he like? What, you what know, was he was good. Doing? He actually owns a part company over there, and he actually does aftermarket parts for WLAs. Really? Specifically yeah. WLAs? That's it. So he was trying to expand his business, and he needed the cash for inventory of parts or what have you, and rebuild his existing building. So he was looking for cash to build his business. Perfect. And yeah. I think that's why he sold the bike. And you're looking for the bike. And so. I was looking. Yeah. And I think it's probably the best original knuckle that I've ever seen. No shit. It's nice. I and I have, I have rode it. Yeah. I mean, it rides cherry, like beautiful. pretty valuable to ride and everybody says oh you can't ride that I said, the hell i can't that's why you bought it, why yeah. I, bought it. Yeah. <laughs> I break it out every once in a while and ride it but yeah it's on display in there now. i mean it's got to be well, yeah it's got to be a chore to keep the bikes you know i mean it's a chore to keep my chopper that i ride all the time you yeah. know going you know yeah. if you're not using them all the time uh, well, the first mechanic I hired is an old school Harley guy, an old chopper guy. Yeah. Great mechanic, great machinist, just overall good guy. And then uh, he got burnt out on bikes and he went and got a job at a machine shop. Really? So he's actually been coming over every Monday and Wednesday night for a few hours and he wants, actually wants to come back to work. And I'm egging on to come back. And I want to go through every bike I have in the shop, get it running, and ride it, and have them so we can go jump on any one of these bikes anytime and ride, ride it. Well, if you do that, you should document it some other way yeah. as well, like a, vid Probably like a video. Probably better than what I usually do, yeah. Yeah, you know. So I've got a couple bikes in the back right now that we're working on. Mm -hmm. 1940 Indian Scout that we broke down. It was one we took back to get started, then we decided, to, let's just redo the engine. 
and then I've got a 44 knuckleback there that I was riding it on a ride and we seized the engine up. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so we brought it back and we're just getting it back together too. Yeah. So I do have a couple bikes back there that were slowly putting So you, think you got a shop on premise? Yeah. So <clears throat> I know that you like the originals, but like do you, I know you've got some bikes that are more just stories, you know, like the people that rode them. Can you right. tell me about any of those where it's more, more the person who owned it than it is the bike or maybe it's both? Well, I bought the two Indian Larry choppers. Yeah. So I'm putting this chopper collection together, and I've got some guys helping me find all original choppers, and that's what I want, surviving choppers from the 60s. So we get them, and then I go to an auction, and then there's the two Indian Larry choppers there. And I had no intention of buying them when I went to the auction. I got there and looked at them, and I thought they would be the grand finale to my chopper collection. Mm-hmm. So I bought them, and not because of the bike, but because of the owner. And everybody knew or knows Indian Larry. That's why I bought those two bikes. Yeah. So I think it sets my chopper display apart from the other choppers. Yeah, I mean, I only know of one other, I mean, Wheels Through Time's the only one I can think of that has like a chopper section yeah. you know yeah. i don't know of any others and i did buy a chopper from matt Wassler out of wheels through time did you yeah so i'm trying to buy i'm trying to buy some bikes from these old chopper builders i got to know dave perowitz i bought some from him and he's trying to help me do a deal with uh donnie smith yeah and then i've talked to uh uh arlen ness's son Mm-hmm. And I've got a connection there, and I told him I'm interested in buying. So if I could get some of them, and I don't know that I necessarily care about the chopper, but I care about the name yeah. and the history behind it, and I want to have them on display. One of my buddies just got one of the one of the coolest choppers from the man recently. He bought. Really? It's called Locomotion. Got him. You know, you familiar with Dick Allen? Uh-uh. No. <clears throat> Dick Allen. You know. Back in the beginning, you know, he was one of the first guys to do the belt drive with some tractor pulley parts, you know, and just a real, I mean, pretty much every chopper that's ridden today has got a part on it that Dick Allen, you know, oh, really? did to begin with. Yeah, I've never and he was just, he wasn't the kind of guy that was able to monetize anything. You know, a lot of people feel like he got screwed because other people took his ideas, you know, and made money, but, you know, he wasn't, he just wasn't doing it for that. You know, he's got a... <clears throat> So anyways, my buddy Ryan just got this bike, redid it, you know, went to these old timers out in California and found that when he, when he got most of the bike, the guy who had the original Springer calls him up, you know, and holds it right. over his head, gets a good price. Anyways, he collects all these parts, puts the bike back together, and he just rode it to Sturgis. Oh, back. really? Yeah, pretty stinking sweet, but it, that, that's a... You know, he did the first, like, no, nah, maybe not first. Well, no, he did. Auxiliary fuel tank on the sissy bar. Oh, really? You know, he could yeah. go a couple hundred miles on one tank. But what about, uh, so those are chopper builders. What about riders? We know we were talking about, like, Doug Waskey. Right. Do you have any old bikes that maybe, you know, people rode across the United States? Anything like that? You know, that? I've got one bike in there from the Jack Pine race, and I bought it from uh, Dave Minerva. Okay. And it's got a little history behind it. I mean, it was a winner of the Jack Pine race. And like right there in Sturgis? Yeah. So I got some of that stuff. And, but the history and the name on a lot of them, 
I've got a couple bikes that were rebuilt by Lonnie Eisen Jr. I'm not familiar with that. Lonnie Eisen? You haven't heard of Lonnie? No. I mean, he's pretty iconic in the antique motorcycle world. Okay. He actually started the uh, cannonball ride across the country. Okay. Yeah, well, then I've definitely heard of this guy. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and then I bought a couple hill climbers, and I'm not really a race hill climber guy because there's such so many counterfeit bikes out there. You oh, don't know if they're real. Really? So if I don't know somebody that doesn't, you know, that has a racer or a hill climber, I usually steer away from it. Mm -hmm. Unless I absolutely am guaranteed that that's who owned it and that's who wrote it. Wow, yeah. And I have a couple of them out there, but I don't like the idea of paying what you have to pay for one and then having a counterfeit. So I'm pretty cautious on that. Yeah, you gotta be. And then, but you got that one, uh, what was that, that's a, the Shovelhead Speed bike, the Salt Flat bike. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. What's yeah. that? Who you were telling? I bought me that what? from uh, oh, what the hell out of California, and actually, it set a record at the Salt Flats. Yeah. So like 214 miles an hour. And it's a Shovelhead, right? Yeah, it's a Shovelhead. Yeah. That's fucking wild. Yeah. We thought about getting it back out and taking it on the, the Salt, but we we haven't had time to mess with it. That's no. cool. And I don't. I can't even fit in it. So yeah. <laughs> my mechanic would have to do it. It's pretty tight. Have you ridden anything on the salt? No. 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 Have you even at least ridden out there, right? Oh, I've been out there and I've been on it, but I haven't really rode exactly. or done anything. Yeah. No. I mean, there's a lot of loopholes to jump through to do it, yeah. you know, through the... We just haven't done it. That's a fun time out there during Speed Week, though. <clears throat> so when did you get to the point where you wanted to, like, display them, you know, where you were... You know, you got your private garage. When did oh, you? Oh, it was probably 15 years ago. I had that shop. And Springville City, every year, the first week in June, has a parade, and it's like Springville Art City days. So actually, the parade went right by our shop. So every year when they had that parade, I'd open the shop up. And as the parade went by, I'd let people come in the shop and look. And it just kind of grew from there that, more people had interest in what I was doing than what I thought. So eventually I opened the shop up specific hours of the week to let people come in and look. Nice, so from that original location. Yeah, and then we were building custom bikes and we were doing custom parts for bobbers and just to Really, make, like a parts line? Yeah, so we, we created a parts line then people were coming in, will you make me one of the, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I tried to get in that parts business, and I did brake pedals and shifters and seats and the whole thing. And it kind of burnt me out. It was just too much time and too much work for nothing. Yeah, the motorcycle I mean, industry. I mean, I, <laughs> I kind of lost my interest because I was when I was building that stuff for my personal bikes, it was mm -hmm. cool and fun. Yeah. But then you start building it, and you're building a brake pedal, and then you're building 15 brake pedals that look the same. It's just not that fun. No, it's not. It's not that cool. No, it's not. But building one brake pedal for the bike that you want to customize, then it was fun. Yeah. And then I just thought, I kind of took my passion away a little bit. Yeah, you don't and want I to mix got, passion with work? No. And I just got burnt out. I mean, we were taking the stuff, we were going to shows. and, oh, me and You my, were really hustling, oh, yeah. dude. And I thought, shit, this is no fun. Yeah. I work really hard to try and keep this not work. Yeah. It's this, like. And that's when I, I just said, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. 
and then uh, the economy fell apart, and then the building we're in, it was in a bank foreclosure, and I got a hell of a deal on it. So I bought it, and it was like 20,000 square feet. And I said, oh shit, this will last me forever. Yeah. Within a year, I had it full and overflowed with oh bikes. Oh my gosh. So I've actually done like four additions to this building. This is the building? Yeah. Oh, so you you bought this during when the, the bank foreclosed on this one, you bought it. 20, I bought 000. it from the bank. Gotcha. Yeah. It was a car dealership. Okay. So I brought equipment in here, and that's what I do for a living is I build. Okay. So I come in here, I just gutted the whole building out. Brought my equipment in, and I just tore the whole thing apart. And then I just rebuilt it mm -hmm. to be a motorcycle museum and cafe. And I just wanted a place to, and I was trying to create like a motorcycle destination. Yeah. Because every time you ride a motorcycle, you're looking for somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I do. When I go across country, I look for either every Harley Davidson shop, an independent shop, or something for a motorcycle to stop at. And that's what I tried to create here. So I built this as a museum and a repair shop for bikes. I put the restaurant out front, the Strap Tank Brew Pub restaurant. Yeah. Named it after some Strap Tanks I bought. Yeah. And then the other piece over there I built. But basically what I'm trying to do is a motorcycle destination. That's I mean, I, I've been stopping by every time I come <laughs> through now. It's no, working. It, see, it works. It's working, man. No, I've had a lot of people stop by, and typically around Sturgis, we get bombarded with riders coming through. Mm -hmm. And then when they have Bonneville out on the salt flats. Oh, yeah. When there's an off day or something's going on at Bonneville, we get a lot of riders or people come down from Bonneville. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so it's... You know, it's pretty good. It's yeah. Good. What? How far is the salt from here? Oh, uh, it's probably an hour, an hour, hour and a half. Is it north? Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy that salt. Well, yeah, this is this is a sweet spot. I mean, what you did up front with the uh, the containers, right? Have you done more of that elsewhere? You know, or is that your first go with the container building? That was my first attempt, but it was. It, you know, I've been building for 30 years, and that's probably the hardest thing I've ever built. <laughs> it was, it was, was it really? It kicked my ass. Yeah. What do you normally build? Uh, housing, fast okay. track, subdivisions. Yeah. Gotcha, big neighborhoods. Big neighborhoods. Yeah. Couple that's hundred, a little different than that, isn't it? A couple hundred houses at a time. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, those are all plug and play, I bet, yeah. compared to yeah. some containers designed to sit on the ship. Now you've yeah. got them stacked up. Yeah. What's crazy is when you go inside like the tattoo shop, it doesn't feel like you're in a container. I mean, it's got no. windows. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, did you did you stack them all up and then start cutting pieces out, or did you? I mean, how did you go about that? Actually, when I started that, I wanted to stack containers on top of one another. But as I started doing my plans, the structural engineer just told me there's no way I can get what I want. Because as soon as you do a penetration into a container, you cut a hole in it, you, oh, weak, you, take you weaken the, the integrity of that Yeah, container. that makes sense. So what I had to do is come back to conventional steel framing. And then you sheathed it. And then I just cut the containers. I just cut the skin on the container and attach the skin to the super, well, the it's super structure. It's convincing. It is very convincing. 
You know, when you drive by, you think there's containers stacked. That's exactly what it looks like. And the other thing I didn't like about the containers, the container's only eight feet wide and a nine-foot ceiling. Yeah. And I wanted these to have big rooms and 10 or 12-foot ceilings. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason the container just didn't work. No, it wouldn't have. Because you walk into a container and it's eight feet wide and nine-foot ceiling. It's too tight and boxy. It's pretty tight. Yeah. It doesn't feel that way in the tattoo no. shop. So it, it opened up pretty good. Nice. Um, nice. It so, turned out okay. I mean, we were building that thing along. We had a plan to open, then COVID hit. So we're like two years behind our opening schedule. And we've just been opening a building at a time to uh, get them open. We can't find, the workforce is terrible, you know, all of it. Everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. So we just opened a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. So tonight's the first weeknight we've been able to open it. No shit. Yeah. We were open Friday and Saturday nights for a month or a month and a half. And we just got our team put together. So tonight was the first, first night in the middle of the week where we thought we would open it. Well, I hope that this doesn't all burn you out on the motorcycles again, doing no. all this around your collection here, like the parts did. Yeah. No, it sounds like you've got a lot going on over yeah. here in this corner. And we're still, I mean, I'm still running my construction company and building. I'm trying to fade, fade myself out of it a little bit, but mm -hmm. still have a lot of work going on. Dude, there's a lot of building right now. Uh -huh. I mean, are the, Californ the Californians are coming here too, right? Yeah, they are. <laughs> I tell them to leave their liberal bullshit in California, but yeah. welcome to Utah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that nice in Texas. <laughs> I'll just leave out the welcome part. <laughs> oh, man. <coughs> oh, man. So yeah. how, what's the hours of the, the museum right now? Well, the hours of the museum, I can't find anybody to work here. If somebody's coming through town and they notify us, we'll make sure that they get in. Okay. How do they notify you? What's the best? Uh, either on Facebook or Instagram okay, or whatever media. it takes to get in. Yeah. I mean, the whole week is two weeks of Sturgis. We got bombarded with calls. and But we made sure everybody that wanted to come in got in. That's awesome. Yeah. And if I have to personally wait here, I have a mechanic in the back that will walk people through. But we've taken, you know, some big groups. Here. I bet so. I mean, do you do like a tour service? Tell everybody about the bikes? Well, or is it I try to, and I think Rose, my mechanic, he does. But and then if they stop in here and eat breakfast at our cafe, the servers and people that work here, they'll let people walk through the museum. Nice. Yeah, that's um, how I got in that last time. Yeah, he's ate a burger and snuck on in. I'm going <laughs> to use the restroom over <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> no, Aaron actually gave me a pretty good tour. Did he? Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm glad I, that you got you got those guys over here, man. Those those guys are solid. Good guy. Yeah, absolutely. Oliver and all those guys are good. Oh, man, they love motorcycles. I yeah. Mean, they're stoked to be a small part of what you got yeah. going on here. So Yeah. I think it's going to turn out good. I think so, man. I mean, this is a great facility. I mean, so far it's gone. This is the first year. June of this year is the first time we've actually been open. Yeah. I mean, between the COVID thing and all the bullshit, we were just, we were done. Yeah, what wow. a shit show that was. Wow. Do you have any bike nights or anything in town? You know, we do. We're, we're starting to do like a uh, car and coffee, like second Sunday of every month. And then we're doing a bike night, cruise night, car and bike one night a month. 
and all that stuff's coming online. Nice. Uh, we actually have a car show next uh, Saturday. Really? Yeah. You got cars too? A few. I'm, I say I'm not a car guy, but I actually have a bunch of cars. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I'm not into cars like I am bikes, but I do have a few. Yeah. What's your everyday rider right now? What's, the, what's your go-to? Bike? Yeah, bike. If I want to go on a ride, I have a 19... 1928 Indian Ace four cylinder. Come that's on. That's my go to. Come bike. on. That's my go to bike. That's fucking sweet. If I want to go for a ride, that's the bike I want to ride. And I actually took that on a cross country ride in uh, 2018. Really? Yeah. Do you ever do the cannonballs or anything like that? I've done the cannonball four times, but. Really? Yeah. What do you think of that? Uh, I don't know if I can talk that way, but. Oh. I think it's turned into a shit show, and I don't want any part of it. <laughs> really? Uh, to be damn honest with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But I guess, I mean, you obviously enjoyed doing it. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, and the first time I went was 2012. I never had a better time in my life. That's awesome. And then, you know, I built the bike myself, and like I said earlier, I'm not a mechanic. Mm -hmm. I don't know shit about motorcycles. Well, how satisfying to make it across the country, though. On and it. I had a 1927 Henderson 4 that my old mechanic helped me build. I did the body work, I painted it, I did the engine, I did everything on that bike. And I got where I could ride a day, I was broke down a day, ride a day, broke down a day. Yeah. And I did most of the ride, riding every other day, then working on the bike, and I made it to the second to the last day, then I seized the engine up, spun a bearing. Damn it. Yeah. What'd you ride the next year? I took that same bike and I went and had Mark Hill in New York, yep. the Henderson guru, I mean the good. Yeah. And I spent two weeks in his shop and he helped me rebuild the engine. That's awesome. So it you, was, did it, you were it with was, him when he did it. Yeah, it was, it was good. That's awesome. I mean, I went out there for like a week Yeah. and I had my wife with me and I said, I was going to, we were went to actually just pick the bike up. And he didn't quite have the engine done. And I said, oh, that's fine. We'll just stay a day or two and work. We stayed two weeks and worked on that bike for two weeks, <laughs> rebuilding that engine right in his shop. That's awesome. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Really? He's yeah. a good dude, huh? Yeah. How is his shop up there? It's, you know, it's a shop. Yeah. It's doable. <laughs> yeah. It's a working shop. It's a working shop. It's a working shop. Well, how'd you do on that bike that year? <clears throat> we did okay. I seized it up again. Son, we rebuilt. You're hard on shit, dude. Uh, yeah, I'm a beast. <laughs> we rebuilt it, and that bike made it across country the third try. Third time's a charm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And then the last cannonball, I rode the Indian Ace, and I had two mechanics. Rose rode the forty, the twenty-seven that I worked on. He rode that, then I had another mechanic ride a twenty-eight Henderson. So we were all on four cylinders. That's fucking awesome. And we all, all three of us, made all of our points. Wow. It was a good ride. I yeah. had a good time. Yeah, wow. that's got to be fun. I don't have anything old enough yet, but I'm, maybe I'll do that motorcycle chase, the one that they have with, without the, the chase vehicle. Or at least they said for what it looked like there were still chase vehicles. I have no comment on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was a part of that chase thing, then I kind of got screwed out of it. Oh, really? Well, that's no fucking good. No, it wasn't good. Yeah, well, I don't know how much you want to hear. I can tell you the whole story. I mean, I'd like to hear it. 
So you, I mean, I have no part of it, you, you know. You haven't heard of Jason Sims? I mean, I know him. I mean, shaking, so, shaking his hands, that's it. Well, leave it at that. I okay. wouldn't tell you that right now. Okay. Because he, he took me for a ride. I mean, I was like an investor in the cannonball. I invested in the chase. I mean, I put a lot of cash up to make it all happen. I was, I was completely in and completely involved. And then uh, he wanted to come here and work and help me get the shop going, and I was all for it. I mean, I wanted to turn it into an antique motorcycle thing. Mm -hmm. And he came here, and he's the most worthless son of a bitch I've ever met in my life. Damn it. What you you saying all this now reminds me. Did I did I see a flyer that you're going to do some kind of cross country something? Yeah, I'm starting my own, and actually it's uh, it's going to be a charity ride, and I want to do the very first cannonball that was put together, and it'll go from Kitty Kitty Hawk, uh, North Carolina to Long Beach, California. The exact same ride that Lonnie Eisen Jr. put together. That's pretty fucking cool. And it's all charity, and I'm putting it together right now. I mean, I'm trying to find a course master to ride the course, get it set up. And we're planning to do it in September of 2022. And the only requirement is you have to be on a 100-year-old motorcycle. The only requirement. The only requirement. <laughs> so anything That's a like pretty big requirement. 1922 or older. That's going to bring in some sweet bikes. I think so. Yeah. And I'm thinking about doing another ride, a shorter ride, and everything like non-transmission bikes, like belt drive, or uh, just all like pre-1914 bikes. Oh, wow. So I'm getting a lot of people saying, this is what we need to do. So I'm going to think about it like, do the cannonball like Lonnie did on even years, and maybe the shorter ride on an older bike the odd years. Now do you have, uh, are there a lot of people in the area that have got older bikes that like to ride? Not in Utah, there's a few, I mean I know a half a dozen. Okay. They'll come down to the shop, there's a couple guys here in Springville. And then there's the, um, the motorcycle club, the uh, antique club. Yeah. And a few of them will come down. Dude, they, <clears throat> they did that, uh, that ride this summer. In Canab, uh, yeah, yeah. I want. I need, I want to bring yeah. my wife and do that one. Yeah. I, I really enjoy those. I didn't have time to go to that because I had so much stuff going on. But they've done that twice now. Probably next time I'll go to it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make that happen. I love yeah. taking my wife on those because you know, there's, the yeah. people are great. Most everybody has their bikes down. You know, you go on a ride like that with my buddies. You're working on bikes the whole fucking yeah. time. But, you know, not that that's terrible, but it seems like the AMCA dudes really got their shit together, you know? Yeah. When they kick their bikes, they're not yeah. trying to do that more than once. I know a lot of guys that went on that, and they, I, they say they all had a great time. Yeah, that's There's what I There's a heard. lot of people that come across country to go on. Well, it's, I mean, this is some beautiful riding that you got yeah. around here. Back there in the, all them parks, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. I'm going to try and go through. I've never ridden off-road in Moab, and that's right on the way back, so I'm probably going to... You know, blow some time Go there. Go off-road on Moab. Yeah. I've never been on an off-road bike in my life. Really? Never been on a dirt Don't bike. Don't get started. Don't <laughs> get started. <laughs> this collection will double, man. <laughs> I couldn't believe how cheap some of those old vintage dirt bikes went at Fort Meekum. Like, really? Just really cool, you know, 80s dirt bikes yeah. that were, like, brand new. You know, I don't... 
I don't. I don't know anything about them. I've never been on one. Oh my gosh, there's so much fun. So my favorite dirt bike right now is I got a '77 XT500, and that Yamaha won the Dakar the first four years. You know, I mean that's that's saying something right there. That's a pretty big race. Not familiar. Nah, I have no clue about that. <laughs> well, don't get started, man. Don't no get started. Well, no. I'd like to know more about how your, uh, what are you going to call this cannonball? It's going to be uh, Legends and Legacies. Legends. So I want to clue all the le- you know, include all the legends of antique motorcycles. So you have John Parham as a legend. You have Del Wassler as a legend. And I've met both those guys and I like them. And you have Bud Eakins. That was a legend. And I want to just get the legends of the antique motorcycle world and kind of honor what they did through this charity ride, all everybody riding an antique motorcycle. And then I've got a charity that we're setting up, and it's called Lonnie's Heart from Lonnie Eisen. Mm-hmm. And it's actually going to be a school to teach kids or give them the opportunity to be like mechanics and work on bikes or whatever. That's kind of the goal right now. And it's set up and it's been functioning and they've done it for a few years. But I want to donate all the proceeds on this ride to this Lonnie's Heart Foundation so that we can have the the motorcycle industry and bring some young people into it. That's awesome. So they can, and the bikes survive. So what's gonna happen when all of those old farts are gone? What's gonna happen to these bikes? We're going to turn them into choppers. Choppers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the kind of, you know, that's the goal behind it. And I was talking to uh, uh, Jersey John, John from uh, New Jersey. Okay. And he told me the story of the conception of the cannonball. And there was him, Lonnie Isons Jr. and Bud Eakins. They were sitting at a Meekum auction in Vegas. And this Bud Eakins brought up the idea to do a cross-country ride similar to Cannonball Baker, all on antique motorcycles. And as John told me the story, it sounded like to me he it was almost a dare or a bet for Lonnie Jr. to do it. And he said Lonnie put it together and did it in 2010. So he took on the dare or he took on the bet and he actually did it. Yeah. That's awesome. And when you look at what that's done to the antique motorcycle world, it just it just took off. It has. Uh, Absolutely. Like, like through the roof. Absolutely. And I didn't know about it and I really wasn't too involved in it. And then Jeff Deck Jeff Decker actually went on it and he told me about it. And I on thought, the two thousand ten one? Two thousand ten. He told me about it. I was like, Oh, cool. Yeah, I said, why wasn't I invited? And he says, well, they're having one in 2012. And I said, what does it take to get in there? He says, well, you have to have Lonnie invite you. And I says, well, let's pull some strings and get me invited. <laughs> <laughs> so I, call, I called Lonnie and actually talked to him, and I had no clue what I was getting into. Yeah. None whatsoever. He said, what bike are you going to ride? And I said, well, I have this 27 Henderson 4 I think would be pretty cool. And I just got it running in the shop, it runs, and he told me how meticulous they were and hard they are to work on. And I thought, yeah, whatever, big big deal. Yeah. Until I got into it and started working on it, and I thought, oh, shit. Instead of starting with a simple JD or just something simple, yep. that 
I can figure out and work on. Mm -hmm. I started with like one of the hardest bikes there there are to work on. But you did it. Well, I, I did do it. Three times later. Yeah, and it did. You know, and I learned a lot on it. I learned I'm not a mechanic. <laughs> you knew that already. Yeah, I, did, I knew that. <laughs> but they're probably the nicest riding motorcycle I've ever been on. Really, like as far as vibration? Oh, and yeah, they're like a Cadillac. Really? And this Indian Ace was actually started by the guy that did the Hendersons, and it's nicer than the Henderson. Wow. It's shorter, it's smaller, it's lighter, it maneuvers better, it's got as much if not more power. Huh. Oh, it, it really is the nicest bike I've ever rode. So I got a question for you, because I don't know, I, I don't really agree with the, the science or the, the literature, if you will. Uh, they say that the first motorcycle, when was the first motorcycle built? Like 1890s in Europe. In 1890s, France. right. That's, but before that, they built a bicycle with a steam-powered engine. Uh, yeah, but they say that that doesn't count as a motorcycle because it's not a combustible engine. Yeah. But that's a motor, right? Yeah. Okay, so you uh, agree with me? I think well, that that's. I mean, the books say that it doesn't count as a motorcycle, and not that the combustible engine was the first motorcycle. Well, that started in France, too, and I've seen all that bullshit. My opinion, the first motorcycle in the United States was the Indians and the bikes like that that started. And I have a 1903 Indian, all original. And we've rode it. <laughs> no way. Yeah, we've rode it around the building. And I'll tell 1903 you what. 1903 Indian? Yeah. And it's, I mean, it rides, it runs, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, you start it with a pedal, you're riding your bike, you get the engine to start, and then you just sit there and kind of coast. And it does ride and it does run. Yeah, what's it got, like four horsepower? Something like that. It just pop, 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 pop. It runs off of a battery, so when your battery's dead, you're done. But well, it's, no cool. it's cool as shit. Yeah, no yeah. charging system at all. Is that the oldest bike you have? Yeah. 1903 Indian. Yeah. What's the oldest Harley you have? I have an 05 strap tank. Oh, five. Yeah. <laughs> What's now the strap tank? Tell, explain to me what that terminology exactly Well, the strap means. tank was a name given to it. So it's got a fuel tank, and then it's got an oil tank that sits on top of it. And then they have two straps going around the tank that strap the two together. Okay. So then they just named it the strap, strap tank. tank. And they quit making them in 2008. Wow. So How I many of those are there? I mean, is yours all original, or is it... I have two of them that are all original, then I have an 08 that's been rebuilt. Uh -huh. But the parts are all original, but it's been redone. And I, I looked, and I want everything all original on them. I don't think there's too many of them left. I only know of a handful. Yeah. Did so you get have, those at auctions? Yeah. Yeah. So my 06, 07, I got it uh, from E.J. Cole auction. Okay. And then the 05 I bought from Lonnie Isom Sr. And he's had it forever. And then the 08 I bought from Dana Meekum, his personal collection. And that's the one that was rebuilt. He, Meekum has a collection himself, huh? Of motorcycles? Yeah. So he was taking, and he was, had it at the Pebble Beach auction. So I saw it coming up for sale. So I called him. Hey, I'm interested in that 08. Mm -hmm. And so he, you know, he cut me a deal before the auction and I bought it. Nice. 
And I know of an original 08 that I've made an offer on, and hopefully I still have the first writer refusal to buy it. And it's all original. So. It's insane that that stuff has lasted this yeah. long. I don't know of too many of them that are around. Yeah. I hear there's an 06 in uh, Milwaukee or in Indianapolis somewhere. I've never seen it. I don't know who owns it. Yeah. But I've heard there's one there somewhere. What's the oldest one Harley has? Like at their museum? I think it's an 06. No 06 is the oldest one I they've got? I think so, yeah. Have you ever been to their museum? Yeah. Oh, it's cool as shit. Fuck yeah, it is. I mean, I love the way that it, the stories that get told, you know? Oh, it's cool. Yeah. Do you know that person that put that together? I don't. Somebody was telling me a little bit about them, that they did a... Oh, they did a... Who, they did a museum for somebody else before they did that. Now I'm just drawing a blank. But yeah, that's a, that's a good museum. The curating in there is just, I mean, they have the bikes displayed and it just tells a whole story. I think it's cool as it's shit. It's beautiful, beautifully done. Yeah, makes me jealous when I go in there. <laughs> <laughs> so what about, you got any war bikes? I got a couple military bikes. I don't know too much about them. Yeah. But I think they're a good showpiece. Yeah, absolutely. And I have them in there. I've got some of them... Uh, I don't know all the names. I got some uh, shaft drive in Indian, uh, <coughs> 741 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I bought it to be rebuilt. And then the more I look at it, I think I'll just leave it. Yeah. I think it'd be cool. You know, so the, supposedly, the way I heard it, the first bikes that were used in war was General Blackjack Pershing when he was fighting Pancho Villa down at the border. Oh, really? Yeah, he got some JDs, even outfitted some sidecars with machine guns and was chauncing, cool. chasing Pancho Villa around the border. And then I found a picture of Pancho Villa on an Indian, at an Indian oh, really? dealership. So, so I'm working on a whole other project and part of the, another podcast where I just tell stories. In the Harley-Davidson Indian rivalry, that's the furthest back I can, you know, chase it where it's... You know, Pancho Villa on the Indian, Blackjack Pershing on the Harley, cool. fighting cool at the fucking border. Yeah. yeah, that would be real yeah. cool to have that shit. Yeah, I don't I mean, I, who knows, you know, where, what happened to yeah. that stuff. Uh, and then I've heard stories about the first prototype Harleys, and I'm thinking, where in the hell have they gone? That was like in 1903. Yeah. And I've heard stories about them Well, they ended up in a basement, and they're here, here, and... But nobody really knows. Well, so the person that was telling me about that curator, one story he was talking about was when AMF owned them in the 70s. A lot of shit, like the original shed, the wood from the shed, they had put up, taken down, put up, taken down multiple times throughout the years. Then when AMF got it, they didn't know what the wood was. They, fucking, they chunked that shit, just threw it away. And supposedly a lot of things got lost you know, during those 70s where... And they were hard up, and they also sold a lot of stuff of the personal collection just to keep, you know. I heard them bikes, the prototypes, ended up in a basement in Chicago. And that's the last anybody knew of them. Really? I got to take a piss. Okay. Yeah, we're... Yeah. I'd like to find them suckers. You know? <laughs> yeah, I bet so, dude. Man, this museum is pretty fucking rad. Uh, the Chopper Collection is wicked fucking cool. 
mean, just, it's pretty amazing. It'll be cool if he gets all the bikes running, finds him a mechanic, and, uh, you know, documents all of them running. Pretty interesting. The storm just blew in. Fuck, I don't know if you could hear it, but it looked gnarly. My bike's just sitting out there getting blasted. Uh, yeah. But it looks like the sun's coming back out. At least I'll have a dry ride out of here. Won't be too bad. So what else are you hunting besides the the heart the original prototypes? Anything else? Any other no, ghost just, stories you know of? No, just anything that you know catches my fancy, or if somebody calls me on a bike, yeah, or something that has some history and has a story behind it, I'm interested. What was the idea behind like the layout of your museum? Like, you know, the bikes. I know you got the chopper room. You've got some really old stuff upstairs. And then there's the stuff on the rafters was... I mean, well, the rafters, we're just trying to make room so the, the least important stuff or the stuff that doesn't really show well, I, I put up high so you can see it. But most of the important stuff I try and keep down low enough. Like I tried to keep all the knuckleheads together. Like, Sorry. Hey, Rick. Hey, how are you? Good, are you? Good. Sorry, I just got one... It's all good, man. Snap a photo. Yeah. We're, we're getting close. Cool. So yeah, how's it going over there? Busy? Yeah, it's busy. Like today was a bit slow, but now to appointment, so cool. Yeah. Good. Is that door open over there? Sorry? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh. Well, snap a photo for us, and we're going to yeah. wrap this thing up, dude. Nacho. Get my good side, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So you're on all the, the social media platforms? Facebook. You know, I don't know. I'm not a social media guy, but we've got the right people, I'm thinking, that are doing a lot of that. I don't know too much about it. Yeah. Like, I don't do Facebook. I do do Instagram. Uh, I do a few of that things, but I don't know how to post. I don't know how to do any of that shit. Good. You know how to at least look at the, I do. At the bikes on there? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I used to be on Facebook, and I got so tired of getting this bullshit that I thought, I can't do this anymore. Facebook like, has gotten pretty brutal. It was burning up my phone, like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> but Instagram I like. Yeah. I mean, there's some good stories, and but I only join or tie in with bike-related things. Mm -hmm. I don't do a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. But I like, and I'll go through it a couple times a week. Yeah. And we've hired a social media to update our stuff all the time, but I don't do it. Yeah, I don't have a clue. Yeah, it'd be cool to see some of the bikes, like you know, documented or you know. Joey's done a lot of that on our Instagram page. Every once in a while, he'll come out and put one of our bikes now, on there. Now, Joey, I know that name, but I'm I'm not putting. It, where does he live at? Is he Tennessee. Here? He's in Tennessee. He's from California. Moved to Tennessee. He's friends of Aaron. Okay. Yeah, Joey, and he's called the. Uh, Oh, what is it? Outlaw Picker on Instagram? The Outlaw Picker. Outlaw Picker. Yeah. 
He's a good guy. Yeah. So actually, I'm going out to Tennessee tomorrow. I bought some property out there, and he's helping me build like a cabin or a little house, a bed and breakfast. Out okay. There. So, Tennessee's popping off. There's yeah. a lot of people moving out there. Yeah, that, it is. I just went out there. I went out there to meet Mike Wolf, and I bought some stuff from him, and this and that. How and is Mike Wolf in person? He's a good guy. Yeah, he's top notch. Really? Yeah. Did you do any TV thing, or it was just all? No, he's he's for real. He's a for real good, nice individual. Really? Yeah, he's the for real thing. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I've never met him. I just seen. You know, you're clips. standing there talking to him, and somebody will come up and they want to get a photo. He bends over backwards. Yeah. To help people. I mean, really a good person. Nice. I seen some of the stuff he lists on the internet, and I'm like, whoa, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. And I bought a few bikes from him. I bought, you know, quite a few from him. And he's fair on his pricing. He's knowledgeable. And if I have a question on a bike, I can actually call him up and say, hey, what do you think? What's this bike worth? Yeah. So I was buying this, like, 1912 or 13 Ivor Johnson. So I sent him a picture, Mike, what do you value this bike at? And he told me what I thought it was at, but the guy wanted a little more than that. And I felt it was worth it because it's like a one-of-a-kind deal. Yeah, like, I mean, how I many gonna, of those Where am I going to find one? Yeah, yeah. So. Ivor Johnson. And I've got to go up to uh, Seattle, Washington and pick it up. And I just haven't had time. I only bought it three or four weeks ago. Okay. I've never even heard of that one. I mean, there were so many companies. I think back when they started these things, 1910, there had to have been two, 300 little motorcycle companies. Yeah, that's the number I know. It's like 200 plus. Yeah. And you hear all these names and you think, and some of them companies only made a half a dozen bikes. Yeah, exactly. How many do you have that are like in the teens? Uh, In the teens, probably 25 or 30. Yeah, with all different makes or? Yeah, I got some Popes, I got some Yales, I got an American, I got a Sears. Now I have an Ivor Johnson. Yeah. So. Is that Sears same as like Sears and Roebuck? Or yeah. Is it really? It is. <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool. Oh, shit. That's pretty wild. Now you got an airplane in here. What's the story behind that airplane? Okay, back in the 20s, it was called a Heath Henderson. And so this guy... Uh, named Heath built a little airplane and he put a Henderson four-cylinder engine in it. Okay. And he used to sell the kit for like 120 bucks. Okay, so it was like a plane kit that yeah, you, would, you, you would build get it that yourself. and then yeah. get the Henderson motor? You get a Henderson motor, you cut the transmission off, you put it in there and they used to go like 80 miles an hour and fly 150 feet in the air. Come on. Uh, so I was Cloth actually wings. Yeah, I was actually looking for one to rebuild and hang. Yeah. And I got that one and I think the display of it looks great where it, it is. Does, it but does. But I I'm still looking for a, a real one that I can hang. Yeah. They're kinda of hard to find. It's fixing to say, I bet there's not a lot of them no, out there. I don't think so. But I think with the show and the display we have, that one looks pretty good. Yeah, it looks good over there. Yeah. It looks good over there. So in that area it's in is Mike called my barn find. So all the bikes in there are bits and pieces and just rustier than rust. Have you found any good barn finds like here locally? Not in Utah. No? No. Nothing. Damn it. No, there's not not much around here. 
Huh. I would think with the salt flats over there, I mean, I guess people are just breaking shit. You know, and what you do fast. find are just bits and pieces. I don't know of any. Yeah. You know, and if somebody knows of one, I usually get word of it, but well, Rick, I appreciate you having me no, over, man. Fun. I'm glad you stopped by. I hope that everybody listening gets a chance to swing by and check out all your bikes. This is yeah, a great spot. Too. They can get a tattoo. They can get they can get some they brewery get, beers. Get a tattoo. Get a haircut. Have dinner. They have got money. a barber shop over there. I do. You got a barber shop, tattoo Pretty shop, nice. Mexican restaurant, the brewery. The brewery got a cafe for breakfast there, and they got a coffee shop. And I had ice cream when I got here. There you go. The fucking ice cream was real good. <laughs> From the sugar shack out there. Yeah, yeah. It's super cool. So we're trying to have a little bit of everything. I want it to be like family oriented. Absolutely. So I want stuff for the kids, and then stuff for the grown ups, and the whole thing. Well, you're killing it, Rick. Yeah. Hey, thank been you, pleasure. sir. All right, thank you, Rick. Man, I really appreciate your time. Um, dude, I cannot stress to you enough. If you are in that area, go check out this motorcycle collection. It is really fucking bitching. And you can go get a tattoo at the Buffalo Nickel. That's right. Uh, the show brought to you by MC Shop Tees, your T-shirt of the month club. Maybe... Maybe Legends Motorcycle Museum is something I need to feature in the future. Just saying, if you want to be a part of that, you're going to have to sign up. So, thanks to all the listeners. Uh, dude, the, I, I'm fixed. I got to do read. Man, I wish that. Uh, so, I did a recording of the auction in uh, Vegas when he bought those two bikes. And it's good. You know, you can hear what's going on. But, dude, the feeling, everybody just paying attention and charged up, wondering what these bikes are going to go for. It was really fucking cool. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't translate through that recording. But I was stoked to to be there and witness that. And, Rick, I'm glad that you've got them on display where people can at least see them. <clears throat> And Rick has recently started doing videos on all the bikes. We talked about it on the show since then. Fuck, it's been a month. He's released one, and it's pretty rad. So it'll be cool to see him do all the bikes and, uh, you know, get them running. I mean, dude, if you need any help, you know, getting those Indian Larry bikes running and riding around for your video, just let me know. I'll come up there for that. I would love to ride one of those bikes around. Rick, thank you. And I want to thank Aaron for making this happening. Uh, make sure if you're in the area, you go check out the Buffalo Nickel Tattoo. Say hello to my good friend Aaron. I want to thank Nacho for taking some photos. Nacho was there. I think he was from Argentina. He was in town doing tattoos at the shop when I stopped by. Super nice guy. Rad dude. And uh, thank you, sir. Um, that's it. That's it. After this, I fucking... What did I do afterwards? Oh, I had dinner at the brewery. <clears throat> and, oh, my gosh. I think I had some fucking crazy steak salad. Hannah and Willie came down from Ogden. Fuck, it was great seeing them. It's always great seeing them. Thanks for having dinner with me. And, uh, dude, I blasted out of there and got wet as fuck. But the next day I hit Moab, and it was so fucking sick. It was so fucking sick. 
And I got some videos coming out of the whole trip on the Pan Am. And, uh, yeah. Fuck. I don't know when those are going to be done. Editing is a bitch. Check out mcshoptees.com for your T-shirt of the month club. The only way to support every local motorcycle shop. Go to Danger Dance Talk Shop. Hit the Patreon link. Sign up so you can get a chance at winning a motor. A fucking tank, $100 gift card to Lowbrow, all that shit. We're getting close to the end of the year, so somebody is getting gifted these big gifts before Christmas. So sign up now. Thank you. (laughs)